welcome back to the Texas Triangle NBA podcast, where we are ass deep into the NBA season. The Spurs are kind of stinky, and so are the Rockets, and the Mavs are confusing. I'm here with yes. my main man, Eric, my partner, if you will. Yes. Special friend. Special friend. <laughs> anyway, Alexis is going to love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't stop us. <laughs> We're talking about my wife. <laughs> Just, you know, we're okay, we're going to move on. Yes. <laughs> Let's go ahead and start with the Rockets, man, because there are some interesting things happening with an interesting team. Agreed. And I think we're going to have some takes. I so. think so, too. Yeah, I've seen, uh, man, this last stretch against all these good teams in particular, I've seen, a, like, exponential growth every game. They haven't been able to close the close the deal yet, and that Nuggets one in particular yesterday uh, stung pretty good. Um, but it, it's fun to see these young guys figure it out, uh, Coach Silas included. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's kind of sticking out to me at this point is uh, Chris Wood seeming to be Mr. Grumpy Pants about his uh, alpha involvement status. and, he, and yeah, I don't know. His I mean, comment after the game was really interesting. It was very weird. To me because, you know, last season and through the offseason, we got a lot of indications from Chris that he was all about Houston. Mm-hmm. And that he was on board. And maybe he was just frustrated with the losses. That's totally reasonable. I mean... These are, yeah. yeah. Some really close losses against some really good teams. That would have helped, I think, everybody's but at, mentality. But at the same time, you know, he's 27 years old. He's actually one of the vets on this team. And he yeah. should probably know at this point not to say things like that, even if you're frustrated. I think so, too. And, yeah. and to be fair, a lot of people stopped at the end of that he very quickly pivoted to like i yeah. think we're making good improvements this team is going to be good blah 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 you know it wasn't as much of a he let that just hang in the air awkwardly for everybody to marinate and interpret he kind of said it and then it seemed a little remorseful about saying it and yeah. kind of pivoted but which it, is a good sign <laughs> but it's still not encouraging to hear things like i need to be more involved in the offense after a game yeah it just rubbed me the wrong way because it was kind of like a, what about me yes what about christian <laughs> you know so christian's rules <laughs> only for all of his matches christian's flock <laughs> the christian's flock yes <laughs> dude oh that's for all you wcw people all our wcwites <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it it was not encouraging, A, how he played down the stretch, and B, that he felt that warranted more involvement in anything to me. Uh, That would be my hot take for Chris, is that he didn't seem like the best player or the best decision maker on the floor at all. Mm. Um, I would not have been inclined to put the ball in his hands in anything other than like a backdoor cutting lob situation, frankly. Yeah, Christian Wood, he has a tendency to be a bit of a space cadet. On both ends of the floor, like he makes some really errant passes and you see him spacing out a little bit on defense. He's better than he used to be about it. Definitely. But I think this is something that we've seen in the past for like more veteran big men who are playing with young guards. Like you saw it with Kevin Love in Cleveland, uh, where he was just totally over it with uh, Colin Sexton and Garland and yep. th- their lack of passing. And, you know, KPJ is still learning how to be a lead guard. Jalen Green is a child. Definitely. So it's going to take some some patience for Chris Wood, but what what do you think all this is indicating for his future in Houston? I don't... I'm not as bullish on uh, 
he's here to stay. He's a part of the rebuild, blah, blah, blah. All of the stuff I've been saying, basically, I'm not ready to do a 180 just yet. I'd like Chris Wood to be on board and involved in all this. And he's clearly the best player on the team right now, still by a lot. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's worrisome to see these kind of things come out in a situation that now everybody knows going into what it's going to be. Uh, and for him to seem surprised and irritated by the way this is playing out or, or think he needs to be playing a bigger role in it, uh, it uh, I don't know. I don't know that, that Mr. Wood makes it past the, uh, the deadline and could be a sell-high candidate uh, at this point. I don't know that it happened overnight last night by any means, but I, I could see some transitioning starting to happen, both from his perspective and the teams. And I think there are a ton of teams out there who could stand to bolster their front court rotation. Um, and Chris Wood, he kind of, depending on who you pair him with in the front court, he fits in a lot of different situations simply because of his ability to be a dive man, to space the floor, to uh, put it on the floor and get to the rim. Yep. I don't know if you necessarily want him passing out of those situations all the time just because of, you know, we've already established his decision-making. But I still think you could get a hell of a good package for Chris Wood. I think so, too. Yeah. Because, he, I mean, he's, what, a top seven center? at That, that might be being conservative because he's really good. He is. He's very good, yeah. I mean, he's he's still a bit of a problem on the defensive end um, for you, but I, I think the right situation with not a bunch of young kids could hide that uh, yeah. better, Yeah, and he could have less responsibility there. Um, I, I agree. I think the return for Chris Wood might end up being too good to pass up if you get the right phone call. Right, and what um, what's his contract situation? He has another year left. I believe it is this year and then the next. Yep. And it's right around 13, 14 million. Yeah, it's so pretty reasonable. This is the time to move him if you're going to move him. I would think so. Because next year you're going to have that caveat from other teams. Well, it's an expiring it's, yep. deal and we don't know if we're going to be able to keep him. Yes. So now is the trade deadline this season or no later than the off season is where you're going to get maximum value for Chris Wood. I think so. And uh, I now... <laughs> Call me a, a flip flopper, but uh, I, I've, I'm, I'm, I would be willing to hear some offers if I were, uh, for, were, were Papa Stone. I don't th think necessarily that the rebuild that we have is going to necessitate this type of uh, me first attitude from anybody. Yeah, you know, like I, I want all the guys to want to be their best and be the best and think they're the best on the floor at all times. But I don't really need anybody to pout about it when we're all trying to just grow and get better as a as a team. You know, yeah. And and that that worried me a little bit. And he's older, and he might just want to be winning. And like we said, and and that's probably what it was. But it did feel a little bit pouty, and that worried me as far as rubbing off on some of the other guys. I don't need anybody else to know that's the example from the best player on the team. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at, kind of old man stance about it. But at, at a point, those type of things can be big problems. Yeah. And, and I worry about that, especially with a coach that is still trying to figure it out, too. Yeah, yeah. And let's, let's chill. Like, we've seen a lot of real big Silas hate <clears throat> after that last exchange in that Nuggets game. But all this talk about we need to let these guys figure it out and it's going to be a while. They need to grow. This is a first time head coach too. Like, and yeah. he's young and he's going to take time to figure it out too. So there's going to be some boneheaded stuff like that every now and then. But overall, I would say what we're seeing from this team game to game to game to game to practice to practice is absolutely beyond encouraging yeah. um, as far as the, the growth of these players and the togetherness of these players. So, And the, the coach, like to add to your point about 
Silas figuring it out. The coaching staff is still figuring out. They're still getting more, you know, substantial data on what lineups are going to work best, what yes. guys work best in what configurations, uh, who should be on the floor matchup-wise with other teams. Because, I mean, you have so much of a blank slate with this team. I know we're almost 10 games into the season, but yep. still, that's not a huge sample size to uh-huh. go off of as coach. Not at all. And uh, I, I think he's doing a great job figuring out rotations to a point. Um, I think he, he, he's all—he's a little Eric Gordon heavy for all of our liking, of course. It's a rebuild. <laughs> we want to just see the young guys. But Eric Gordon is his stabilizing point, and he's the guy who keeps everybody on the floor uh, on the same page and, and calls out the, the calm everything down orders from the sideline. And, and you need that as a coach. Yeah. Uh, to keep these kids from flying off the rails and becoming just not a, a workable rebuild project. Yeah, and I don't want to get too heavily into the, you know the treating these guys simply as assets, but you want to maintain those assets. Like you want to yeah. show that Eric Gordon is still valuable. Of course. So it's important for him to get out there. Yeah, it is, you and know. to show that he's still fucking great basketball player on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and it's also but. important for a guy like Jalen Green to understand like if you're not making the right decisions. Uh, you can be pulled. Yes. You know? Exactly. It, it's a, uh, <laughs> there are no untouchable 19 year olds, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like you, you still got to learn young fella. You got to earn so, it. Yeah. You got to earn it for sure. I think that's a good approach. I wasn't, I heard a lot of the same chatter on Twitter from Rockets Twitter that you did about, well, why isn't green in the game right now? It's because he wasn't the right fit at that time. I yep. think. I could maybe have a discussion with someone about swapping KPJ for Green down that stretch because Kevin Porter, as the point guard, as um, he's 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 still learning. <laughs> Let's just yeah. put it that way. Um, it hasn't gone as smoothly as we'd hoped so far, but it's getting better. Um, but I, I could see Green as the guard, quote unquote, and then you have Gordon out there and and uh, Tate at the three, Wood and Tice. I think that would have been a nice closing lineup that would have been able to get a really nice fast break going off of that last stop. Absolutely. But I don't know that the stop happens with Green instead of KPJ either. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of, of, of variables there. Yeah, it's kind of a so. pick your poison sort of thing. But yep. I and Green's of, even less of a point guard than <laughs> Kevin Porter is. So yeah. I don't even know what I'm talking about. So, so I kind of want to zero in a little more on KPJ because two weeks ago on our last pod, we were very down on KPJ. Yes. Um, I think rightfully so. Definitely. Um, but based on the new information we've had and watching a few more games, do you feel like you've moved at all in either direction on KPJ? Uh, not as much as I would have liked, but I think I'm trending in the right direction slightly over yeah. the last couple games. Um, I see him making some progress as far as making his reads and, and the driving kicks and doing the little Steve Nash, Chris Paul circles under the basket to try yeah. to find the right guy. Um, he, he's getting better and more cerebral about it. And I don't <laughs> think uh, I was being entirely fair to the young fella, expecting him to just come in and get it right away. But uh, again, it's not right away. I mean, he had half yeah. of last season and he was told you're a point guard from then on, like as soon as we got him. So it takes guards a really long time, though, man. Like it does. DJ is just now figuring it out, and he's in year fucking five, yeah. six. You know, it takes a while. Point it guards really just does. take a while to develop. Yeah. Uh, guards in general. I mean, I mean, I don't. I I think it's time to probably move on from calling KPJ point guard. I understand. I understand it as a developmental tool, and wanting to have him impart upon him that mentality of you know getting other people involved. It's yeah. more than about just getting your shot. Yeah. 
So I understand it from that perspective, but the idea that he's actually going to be a starting point guard, really on either, especially not defensively, yeah. um, it may be time to move on from that a little bit. And that's not me shitting on the kid. It's just we need to adjust our perspective about what that actually means for him. Yes, I, I can get down on board with that completely. Um, I don't think the door is totally closed on him, but... I also don't get a very cerebral vibe from KPJ as it is. Like I feel yeah. like he's a, a, a as a reactionary player is probably a, more suited to his strengths and athletic gifts, and yeah. and as opposed to a, a a guy who creates for other people or, or gets sets going. You know, I think he's a finisher, and I, I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily the best fit to try to squeeze him into being a full-time point guard. Yeah, and he's just so feast or famine right now, you know? Yes, he is. And that's, again, that's typical of young guards. We always want to approach it with that caveat, but, you know, at some point you got to start putting together more substantial stretches of uh, not just impressive flashes, but overall competent play. And that doesn't necessarily mean putting up 30, 10, and 10. No, not at all. Just but, consistent good games. Like give yeah. us give us a sixteen point game on eight of twelve with six assists and no turnovers. Yes. Give us some give us more of that. Yep. You know? Or four assists and two turnovers, even for Christ's sake. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but it's 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 so uh <laughs> reminiscent of almost a Jeremy Lin for me when he goes up for Ooh. passes sometimes, where it's just like he doesn't know what he's doing until he's done it, and most of the time that's way too late for an NBA defense. So I, I get worried with some of his, his reads and creation abilities, but it's still way too soon for that. Uh, we got to let this play out. I think yeah, he's still the, figuring it out. It's not, it's not an urgent situation right now where oh, like well. we need him to be good right now or else we're going to have to cut him. Like you've got no, at least until after the next draft, because you don't know, you know what roster moves are going to be made, but right now you can afford to let him be himself exactly and work on some things because i really do think like that that trial by fire is a great developmental sort of strategy just because he can do you know the stupid shit and then after the game you can watch the film yep. and a good coaching staff is going to sit down with him and make sure that he can really synthesize what was going on on the court at that time and explain why he made the decisions and why that decision was wrong and what decision would have been better, you know? So I, yeah, I think he has a long way to go, but I don't think necessarily he won't get there. I guess that's probably my stance on KPJ right now, but I don't think where he's going is necessarily where Rockets fans are thinking it is right now. As far as the point guard thing, like you said, yeah, you got to manage your expectations with young guys. And we're going to talk about it a lot more with the Spurs later, later on in this episode, but maybe he's not, you know, the second coming of prime James Harden. That's okay. (laughs) Of course we can't, it's unreasonable to expect that. If he's just like a really good pick and roll guard off the bench who gets hot on certain games, that's, that's still great value considering what you gave up to give him, get him. Exactly. Didn't cost you a dime and you're getting something productive. So I think all, all of us, uh, that's a good caveat to have with KPJ is that we gave up nothing for this player. Mm-hmm. He loves the team and he's been fantastic for us as a, a player and an attitude since yeah. he got here. And it just, it needs to be 
okay for him to not be a superstar for people. Like, I don't get why no. it's only one or the other for, for a lot of Rockets fans. Is like, if no. KPJ is not the new James Harden, it was a waste of our time. It's not true at all. Like, no. he can just be a good player, like you said. And I, and I hope that that happens, and I hope that he sticks around for a long time because he seems to have really uh, ingrained himself in Houston and, and likes likes it there. And, and the people here, we you know, the fans love him. I love KPJ. I hope he sticks around, and I hope he gets where he needs to be. But I think him at the two and Green at the three could be a final form if they both achieve their potentials as opposed to one and two uh, on the lineup. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I think that him at a point guard or as a shooting guard is just so much more natural. Okay, so I want to circle back to Jalen Green. You just brought him up. Um, he is such an enigma to me as a player <laughs> because he's such a blur, and he does he makes these highlight plays with the ball where you're like, "Whoa, I've never seen like this combination of smoothness and ball skill and just the balls to try to pull this thing off." Yes, and I, I mean. And within the context of this rookie class, I, I think Jalen Green is kind of um, falling behind in terms of popular perception just because of, like, Mobley has seemed like a generational talent and Scotty Barnes is awesome. <clears throat> I was right about that. <laughs> but I, I, Jalen Green, like we said, guards take a little longer to develop, and he has all of the tools and the mindset to be phenomenal. And um, you just you have to be patient with him. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And he, he's going to do some really silly stuff for a while that's not going to pan out. And we're going to have to just kind of uh, deal with it, you know, when that kind of shit happens. But he's got a really long leash and he's got the full on green light because he's he's expected to be the face of this franchise moving forward. So it's going to be some growing pains. But just look at what this kid is capable of. Like it, It's absolutely <laughs> stunning sometimes what he's able to pull off without even knowing what he's doing, it seems like. I love guys like that because I watch it and I go, I can't believe he had the nerve to attempt that. Yes. And when it goes in, it's like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Talk your shit, dude. 19-year-old. Yeah, how dare you have the balls? Yeah, but yeah. it's it goes in. It, it's pretty nuts. I, I'm enjoying watching his growth from game to game to game in terms of the confidence level and the knowing what to do level. That's going to be the fun thing with him is watching him, watching everything slow down for him is going to be really, really, really fun. Yeah, I, absolutely. I like, I like I like the choice. I like the pick. I'm not worried. I know that Mobley looks phenomenal. Uh, let's just let him be phenomenal, Rockets fans. It's yeah. cool. The Cavs. Why are we letting the Cavs be on our radar at all, guys? Much less starting shit with the Cavaliers. Like, what a disgusting poverty franchise. Like, <laughs> no. Like, the Cavaliers do not even exist. Even to a sad franchise like us, they are far beneath us, guys. Like, let's just not. We don't need to engage Cavaliers fans or Pistons fans like it just those two teams barely exist anymore it, yeah. it's cool like let's just move on guys enjoy Jalen just the Midwest alright so uh, what's next man well let's hit Spurs man you want to move on down move on down to Interstate Highway yeah let's move on down uh, boy I don't know where to start with the Spurs it so I guess just general impressions of this team. Uh, we're nine games in. They're about to play the Thunder tonight in a few hours. Uh, SGA, baby. They've, they've lost all the games that they were supposed to lose. Um, other than they had a really m impressive win over the Bucks. 
they had a really frustrating loss to the Pacers, which in yeah. hindsight shouldn't have been that frustrating just because the, I think it looks like the Pacers have figured it out. And then um, You got a pretty damn good coach over there. Yeah. Dallas. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. And then uh, they, they stomped Orlando a couple of nights ago, which they should. Um, I'm still feeling encouraged. There were some talking points that I had uh, two weeks ago that I might need to walk back just a little bit. <laughs> I'm not saying I was completely wrong, but I might have jumped the gun on a few things. And um, I think we've got to start by giving DeJounte Murray his flowers. Man. Because that dude has become a borderline, if not all-star caliber player, depending on you know how the Spurs record goes. Yep. Because they have a chance over the next few games to get up to 500 if they if they don't play down to the level of their talent. And, I mean, just going to look at what DeJounte's doing. He's averaging basically 29-9 and on good efficiency. The three ball's falling. He's still an all-world defender. Two steals a game. Yeah, his decision-making has gone up a level. He he looks like the leader of this team. He has become the go-to guy uh, in crunch time, Mm -hmm. which at first seemed kind of like a dubious thing, but um, it's looking a lot better now. I think he could probably use more of a release valve. But, man, DeJounte Murray has exceeded my expectations of whatever what I ever thought he could be. Um, he's I got just, to he's agree awesome there. Man. He's yeah. phenomenal, man. Yeah, he does. He's quick. He's got that, like, I, I don't know. He he feels like, I feel like he's on to his next move before you figured out what his last one is sometimes. And he's just really fun to watch on the defensive end of the floor as well. Yeah, he's got that kind of a quintessential Seattle game like crossover, smooth mid-range J. But the biggest thing for him over the last, I don't know, handful of games is the three balls working. Yes. And it's opened up some other elements of his game. And I, I just, I, I don't have enough good things to say about DJ right now. Like every player has their warts. You know, there are some things that, you know, aren't ever going to be elite for DJ. But I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. No, there's nothing to complain about now. That's for sure. This guy yeah. was the 29th pick in the draft. And I think before he tore his ACL, there was a lot of chatter about him becoming this kind of player. And then I think having to play behind DeMar DeRozan and, you know, just poor organizational decisions in terms of roster building might have stunted his growth a little bit. Mm hmm. But he's there now. Definitely. And the opportunity is there now, too, which he is seizing with great effect, I have to say. He really is. Now that I, he's not playing behind an MVP candidate, oh, DeMar DeRozan. Fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's doing the exact same thing he was doing in San Antonio last year. The Bulls have a soft as baby shit schedule. I, I mean, dude, I, I'm sorry, but this is not going to hold up for Chicago. I do not believe in this team. I want nothing but good things for DeMar DeRozan. He's a good dude. He's a good player. <laughs> but, I, I mean, can we pump the brakes on Chicago, please? I hope we can at some point. Anyone with good basketball common sense can look at this roster and go, oh, that's going to get exploited to shit in the playoffs. Yes. You know? I so, think so. It, it's, oh, we've, we've my seen goodness. It. The Chicago hype train. Please. Somebody hit the emergency brake. Oh, the dead man's brake. Somebody get the dead man's brake on the Chicago hype train, please. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So back to the Spurs. Please. Uh, other big takeaway from the last few games since the last time we talked is Devin Vassell has taken that year two leap. Uh, man, he is every bit as good of a defender at the wing as DJ is at the point of attack. Uh, his shot looks great. 
I think on the season he's only shooting like 38, 39%. But when he lets it go, I feel like good things are going to happen. The you form know? is really nice. You're right. He's kind of, I don't know, man. I think he has a lot more ability than what we've pigeonholed him into as a player. Um, I always kind of thought of him as like a Danny Green with a little more dribbling ability, but he's way more than that. He's way more than that. He's a sick athlete. He's a three-tier scorer, an elite defensive player. I think as time goes on, he's going to develop more as a playmaker. He, his uh, just overall offensive repertoire is going to expand to where he's not necessarily just relying on catch-and-shoot opportunities, mm-hmm. DHOs, and transition, which is what a lot of his game is right now. Uh, but yeah, Devin Vassell. And I honestly think that we should probably start having a conversation of getting him into the starting lineup somewhere. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't hate it. <clears throat> yeah, now the debate is, well, who do you take out of the starting lineup? So the options are Doug McDermott, which I know he hasn't performed exceptionally well over the last few games. He's had some knee problems, but I think he's really important just to the overall cohesion of the offense, even if he doesn't have it going all the time. I was just going to say the flow of things is so much smoother <clears throat> with him in the game. Oh, yeah, he's he's important. Then you could maybe look at Derek White. <sighs> White off the bench could be fun. But that's tough. That's a tough thing to tell to, to to do to Derek at this point. And you know he's he's thought out a little bit. I think he's just he's earned his starting role. Yeah. You know he's it, even if he's not necessarily the be, the second best player on the team. Uh, Pop just has a loyalty to guys who go <laughs> go through the 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 fucking Spurs boot camp, if you will, yep. and stick around and you know earn their stripes. So I don't think he's going to be the guy to go. And I still think he has a level to go up. Derek White, just because, you know, his offensive game has looked really clunky through this first 10 games. And I, I think I think that's going to start to sort itself out as the guys get more familiar with where they're supposed to be on the floor. Definitely. So that brings me to Kelvin Johnson. Uh-oh. And, uh, all right. The, I almost hope no one's listening to this because... <laughs> Man, don't worry, you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> no, Spurs fans, I know we love Keldon Johnson. I love Keldon Johnson. He's a really easy kid to root for when he's got it going on. He's so fun. But in, but. Ter- in terms of his impact on winning and losing, in terms of the skill set that he brings into the starting lineup, I honestly believe that both he and the team would be better suited if Keldon came off the bench in the six man role where he fits better, and Devin Vassell is plugged in the start starting lineup where he fits better, you know? Hmm. He brings an extra spacing element for DJ and Derek White, and then off the bench, you get that sort of attacking presence that you need because the, the Spurs bench, for the first time in forever, is kind of a, a soft spot hmm. for them, um, and I think they could use Keldon Johnson and more of those alignments. Uh, so the thing with Keldon is there have been a bunch of games where I just I didn't want to see him on the floor, man, because he kind of presents the same dilemma that DeMar DeRozan did in that he's not shooting the three ball well. Yeah, it's, it seems like he's actually gotten worse since last last season, which is <laughs> concerning. Like the, the mid-range game, the, the floaters, the attacking, that's all great. But he he isn't spacing the floor. Well, to the extent that you need him to. His passing game, not quite there. And defensively, 
he's one of the worst, worst defensive players on this team. If the not, first defensive player. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> he, he's one of the worst defensive players on this team. Yeah, thus far, definitely. And it's it's because he doesn't have the quickness to stay in front of guards, and he doesn't have the length to defend the elite wing players. So he's kind of like a a, a, a big man trapped in a 6'5 body. Hmm. But he's not really a, a good defensive player. So it's it's kind of challenging to envision a way that he configures into the starting lineup without him at least having a three-point shot falling. I kind of like the idea of shaking things up and sending him off the bench, like he said. Like, it's kind of a nicer, I don't know, I feel like more lanes open up for him, and yeah. it's a softer defense usually because it's the second-tier guys, and, and he can get some confidence and, and get some buckets to fall. And having him play with Jakob Pertl and... Well, I guess DeJounte Murray is a better floor spacer now, but definitely, I think it makes life harder on him when he doesn't have the lane open. And yep. I think if he's coming off the bench, playing with Thad Young, that works great. If Drew Eubanks is the backup center when Jakob gets back, it's a different story. It's the same problem, except worse. <laughs> um, actually, that's a pretty good uh, little tangent. Uh, Thad Young, so last time we spoke... Yep. I, I was not enamored with what I saw from Thad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were done after first game's I, minutes, I, I believe. Yeah, I was done after, like, two games. He, he was doing, like, the LaMarcus Aldridge three-point closeout where, yeah. like, he would have his hands up, but he was, like, within the fucking free-throw line <laughs> pretending he's trying to contest the shot. Like, when you know you didn't close out on 2K, but you pushed triangle anyways, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. And now... um for the last few games, especially against Orlando, he's been every bit as good as advertised uh, as a playmaker, as a finisher, as a hustle defensive player. Uh, he's just made a huge difference. What do you think clicked that made him care all of a sudden? Do you think Brian Wright sat him down and was like, look, dude, we both feel the same way. Like, do you want to up your value and get this done or not? Like, is it something like that? Or is it, uh, did they actually get him to buy into the team and now he wants to stick around and they want him to stick around or... Do you know any of the backstage wrestling politics with this? Yeah, well, with the Spurs, you're never really going to know. That's, 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 yeah, you're that's right. That's the thing. But I mean, that's some, the fun and the shame of the Spurs. Something definitely <laughs> clicked when Jakob went. Well, he didn't go down. He has COVID. Yeah. Um, He's and probably doing fine, too. He's vaccinated. I think he probably saw that this is my opportunity to break into the rotation here. Oh, okay. And he did so in a really resounding way. Yeah, in he, that Orlando game. I, I think he has to, if the Spurs are serious about winning games this season, he has to be the backup center because as much as I love Drew Eubanks, he's fun to watch, but he is a sinkhole and the team is worse when he's out there. Agreed. As much, uh, He's a character too and he's fun. I, yeah. I, I would like him to succeed, but I think you're right at this point. He's still got a ways to go before that's the case. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't know if that, that young should be the backup center. He should probably be getting... All of the non-Yaka brutal backup center minutes. Yeah, the big bad yeah. booty thaddy. The big bad booty thaddy, thaddy daddy. He has so many good <laughs> nicknames that we're not capitalizing on as a fan base. It's true, man. It's really true. Yeah, man. So, whew. where did we? Where were we at before we got into that Thad Young tangent? I believe we were on Keldon. We yeah. had just been talking about Keldon and whether or not we should maybe switch. They should switch him up, throw him off the bench, and mm -hmm. give him the kind of. Uh, 
Russell Westbrook at center treatment almost. I, mean, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm trying to think of like a, a good comp for this because like a, there's been guys where it's like, no, it just makes more sense for him to come off the bench. Eric Gordon on the first couple of Rockets teams, honestly, is kind of a similar, even though they're, yeah. they're both six, five, but Keldon's more of a power forward and yeah. Gordon's more of a two guard. But I just think generally Keldon's being misused because yes. he should be more so on the receiving end of things. He should be running pick and rolls as the dive man. He should be on the receiving end of DHOs attacking the rim. Like, you mm. don't, he shouldn't be a primary creator at this point. I like that. I and like that outlook. There have been games, I think, pretty much every game uh, recently where Devin Vassell has surpassed Kelvin Johnson in minutes. I think he's actually already surpassed him in the rotation. It's just he hasn't taken that starting spot ceremonial sort of thing. It's a, it's a, a psychological game you have to play when you're adjusting those kind of things, I've noticed. Yeah, some guy could play 35 minutes and you play eight, but if you started, you're still like, that, that guy's okay. No, no, well, at least I'm starting still. Yeah. It's funny. And I think that's one thing that Pop is such a master at is he, he understands that, and I think he communicates it to his guys, that the, the starting position really isn't a meaningful thing. It's about mm -hmm. the role that you play within the context of the team. Exactly. D'Antoni used to always say it matters who finishes games. Like everybody mm -hmm. would ask him about Eric Gordon and he would always be like, well, who's out there at the end of the game? Eric Gordon's definitely going to be in my closing lineup. Yeah. So it, it's kind of the same, same mentality. Well, I mean, would you rather start and play 22 minutes or come off the bench and play 30 minutes and impact the game in a bigger way? Exactly. So, yeah. And also, I mean, I, I was kind of hard on pop um, over the last couple of weeks. Just because he's he's done some questionable things where I'm like, is this a stealth tank? <laughs> like down the stretch against Dallas where Doug McDermott was playing the five. And the Spurs just couldn't quite keep, they couldn't get stops defensively with that unit. And I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he, he didn't really, he couldn't get it going offensively. And I was just like, anyone else, Thad, just someone other than Doug. I like Doug, don't get me wrong. I think he's important to the team, but he should not be playing the five in crunch time. No. When the team's getting eviscerated. Like, at least go, I mean, if you want to do a small mobile thing, play Thad, who's actually a good defensive player and can finish on rolls and things like yeah. that and get putbacks and hustle back on transition, you know? It's, if you must play Doug, scoot him over to the four, <laughs> for God's sake. Like, yeah. Or, like, you don't, that's the thing, you don't must play Doug. You don't <laughs> also have to, true. You don't have to play Doug. There are other <laughs> options. It's, it's not like we're fucking, you know, <laughs> in wartime where, like, six guys are off to war and you have five players to play with, you know? <laughs> there are other options, Pop. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I guess there was probably some intention with why he was doing that, but it just, it didn't pay off. No. And uh, it was another, another close loss. And the Spurs still have a positive net rating. Um, they actually have like, I don't know, they're, they're pretty high up there in terms of net rating, but they have a losing record. They're three and six. And that's because the, the games that they've won have been pretty resounding victories and all the losses have been like, one, two, three points. <laughs> That's so frustrating. Like, you fought the whole game, but the other team just had Nikola Jokic or Luka mm -hmm. Doncic or Giannis or whatever, and you just couldn't surmount that. Yep. Which, that's fine. It becomes really soul crushing after a while watching like four of those games in a row. Yes, it does. I just, I just <laughs> went through that. Yeah. At some point, you're just like, I'd rather it just be a blowout. That way, I can have. 45 minutes of my life back and go do something else instead of like sitting on the edge of my couch 
Yes. Thinking, oh, just one more stop. Come on. Come on, guys. We could do this. We could actually get a win. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. So that's just, that's fucking rough, man. It is. But nobody said rebuilding was, was fun. You know, we're, we're here. Yeah. I guess well, I don't even know if the Spurs are technically qualifying as a rebuild yet. Uh, it seems like it was a tear it down this offseason and get, get the young guys out there, but you're still in it. They just they have enough talent and ability and cohesion as a team to make things competitive, and yep. they're a convincing team. Yeah, like, they are. I you, they're just missing one piece. Yeah, they're just missing one piece, but. Um, Pretty important piece, though I would say, kind got, of the piece. Yeah, yeah. They've they've got me engaged in every yeah. game, so that's cool. I Houston guess for too. a team that's probably going to be in the lottery again, uh, I mean, who knows? It's a long season, but they're probably going to be in the lottery again. That's what you want is a, a team that is going to have the flexibility and the draft capital to improve, but is also entertaining to watch. Yep. And improving from game to game is key for me right now. That's the that's the silver lining I'm trying to take out of, of a really long, grueling process yeah. that these seasons are going to be is like, okay, well, they were better than last game. Okay, well, they worked on this. Okay, well, it looks like they're trying this. Yeah. And or this guy looks really good. Yes. If, that, if you, you transpose that performance onto a better team. Yeah. Or, you you know, get another piece. It's, the, wow, you're, you're, you're cooking, you know. Exactly. What? Um, what do you, what do you say? You want to hit up, uh, the old Dallas metropolitan areas, favorite horse band of horses, band the of Dallas horses? Mavericks. Oh yeah. Let's do it, man. Um, honestly, I like what we've been seeing from old Brunt, young Brunson. Yeah. Jalen Brunson, man. He is a fucking, he's a, a spur killer, man. Like the Mavs always have that guy. Like, not like the non-star category guy who's just so, like, he just fucking savers going off against the Spurs. and Jason Terry was the Rockets J- one. Jason Terry, yeah. it was the same thing with the Spurs. Like, yeah. I'm guessing he was that guy for a lot of teams. You're probably right. Good um, old propeller, print, propeller plane. Yeah, man. Also, starting point guard for a really good Rockets team. <laughs> he really was. <laughs> but anyways, fucking Bronson, dude. Um, he... Wow, I, I don't really know what else to say other than wow because I didn't think he had this gear to get to as a player. I didn't either. We've been talking this whole offseason about who's the co-star to Luca this this year. You yeah. know, and it seems like he was in house. Yeah, he's he he does everything you would want from like a lead guard playing off of Luca. He could he score pretty much. He's pretty much a three tier score. Uh, he's feisty. He's mm-hmm. really feisty, man, and he's just he's a killer. Like you can tell, he wants to to be in that position to demoralize you yes and when you're already trying to contend with luca having that other guy there is demoralizing it really is man and uh it's been interesting to see the schedule has been a mixed bag for the mavs and they've lost against the good teams pretty handily and won against the bad teams pretty handily but uh if you have this guy in the fold Playing the level he is, the eventual Kristaps Porzingis trade that happens, as we all assume is going to happen, can lessen the sting a little bit for the fan base if you're getting back maybe a couple role player pieces in that return. You know what I mean? Like I feel like if you're not no, if you're no longer set on we need a Dame Lillard because Brunson yeah. is filling that void of that sweet release valve that Luca's needed this whole time. If you can get some good defensive pieces and some guys that can flesh out that roster a little bit more. 
in return for Chris Stapps, which is a doable thing, yeah. I feel like, a lot more than swinging for the fences and getting an actual impact star player for him. Like, I don't know. I feel like this Brunson development can open up some doors for roster movement that we didn't see were there yeah, for this I, team. I still want to see if it if that holds Me for too. a more substantial stretch of the season. Me but too. I mean, and it gets better teams. Just... Just the the prospect of having that guy. I mean, if he can like replicate a couple of these performances in the playoffs, maybe that moves the Mavs from being a team that's out in a competitive first round series to second, third round, yeah. maybe even finals team if things break right. Definitely. Um. So you touched on Kristaps. You want to go ahead and uh, beat off that dead horse again? <laughs> well, you can talk about it a little more. Yeah. I mean, he honestly looked quite good in the Celtics game. Um, but again, he, he looks quite good sometimes and he looks quite awful a lot of other times. So the fit is just clearly not there. Um, yeah, I gotta, gotta bubble wrap that dude and pack him up and ship him somewhere. Like it's do a good job bubble wrapping him though, because he's, he's fragile. Yeah. I just, (laughs) I just think he's like dead contract proportions of like Westbrook wall. Like you're just not going to be able to move that guy without giving something good up. Yeah, I don't know. Is it? I think there's a year after this year left, right? On yeah. On that deal, and it's like 31 mil or something crazy. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to yeah. be a real tough one to pull off. Yeah, it's real rough, man. Because I don't know who sees him as, a, well, maybe he's our missing piece at all. I don't think so. And, I, man, he's just the biggest hindrance. He's He is the glass ceiling for this Mavs team. He kind of is. Um. And maybe it's just a matter of waiting until that contract is gone. Or maybe. May, maybe you find a diamond in the rough who can replace him. Mm. But it just, man, that that's just so frustrating. If I were a Mavs fan, I'd be looking at that that Kristaps deal and just like, what the fuck, fuck, fuck. We're just... It's our their Westbrook deal. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Not that bad. Don't worry. It's not a death, death toll for uh, anything. Yeah. But it was definitely not good... But hindsight's twenty twenty, and ten times out of ten, I bet you at the time all of us would have made that trade, given what Chris Stapps was. <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I, I guess. Know. I guess looking back to where I was on Chris Stapps when that trade was made, I was kind of frustrated because Dallas was doing that. Well, we're gonna pair our white guys together thing that they always do. Which yeah, they do love that move. I thought that was in poor taste, but I did think that Chris Stapps and Luca would be nice. Yep. And uh, yeah, that hasn't happened. So the other, the other, I guess, review we should um, conduct on the Mavs, what, three weeks into the season? Yeah. Uh, it's the Jason Kidd performance. So Yes, which is an interesting one. I test, um, um, I test advanced stats. I, their offense is not what it was under Carlisle. Not even close. Um, they're kind of a conundrum, honestly. I don't know how they're winning games given their stats, their advanced stats and their net ratings and stuff. They, just, they have Luca. I don't know. Yeah, I they know. have Luca. That, that's but, that's really what it boils down to. I mean, they've won some close games against bad teams or mediocre teams like uh, Celtics, Spurs. They've mm-hmm. had the Rockets. It's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how their record holds up as they get into more challenging stretches in their schedule Yep. because uh, when they're going against another team that has a superstar to go toe to toe with Luka Doncic, I I don't, I'm not feeling so good about the Mavs chances. I feel like they're going to be one of those teams that, you know, 
they clean up against the bad teams where they're supposed to, yep. and they, they have their struggles against the late teams. And, and it'd probably be about 500 against the good teams, I would say, if at best. Yeah, uh, yeah, at best. And I the, the other thing is like in this NBA, there aren't as many bad teams as you as there used to be. Also, very true. Even the teams that are going to be high in the lottery are competent and competitive, and mm-hmm. teams that I wouldn't necessarily want to deal with. Yep. And even, I mean, the worst team in the entire league record-wise is the Rockets, and they just pushed the Nuggets to a one-point game just because they play hard. You know what I yeah. mean? Like a lot of, even the crappy teams, it's not as cocky as the process Sixers with the tanks anymore. Like yeah. these are teams that are just purposefully poorly constructed like they're or, or constructed with people who need to learn a lot. Yeah. They're going to lose, but that doesn't mean they're not going to play their asses off on you. Like there aren't any nights off like there yeah. used to be. Other than maybe Orlando yes. and Oklahoma City, like there, there are no games where you can just like confidently, blindly writing and writing a W. Yes. Because you just you don't know. And there used to be a lot of those games yeah. on the schedule, I feel like, which well, is kind of funny. There used to be a lot, you know, you're going to play the Kings two to four times a year, the Knicks yep. two to four times. Those, both of those teams are at least, you know, competitive now. Yep. The Kings have been a surprisingly competitive this season. Harrison I think. Barnes, MVP right? candidate. Harrison Barnes looks fantastic. Not MVP candidate, clearly. That's <laughs> a facetious statement if anybody listening is stupid. But uh, that was <laughs> but clearly we uh, <laughs> But no, he, he looks great. The team looks kind of fun, too, I got to say. I'm, uh, I'm here for it. I think Sacramento is a franchise that deserves a, a turnaround eventually. Uh. But maybe not a title because, you know, some things should never change and it's fun. Some teams just winning a title feels gross. Like when (laughs) Dallas won a title, it felt gross. (laughs) Toronto was disgusting for me. I don't know how other people felt about it. It I didn't didn't mind. feel right with them winning. I could feel, I could understand that as a being, yeah, being a Spurs fan, that diehard that you are. Yeah, I could imagine that that Toronto championship didn't sit right, but I didn't mind it so much. Yeah, man. I don't like Kawhi. He like, just irritates me. Does anyone like Kawhi at this point? I don't know. I feel like there was a point uh, right when Kawhi was ascending into MVP conversations when he was a Spur that he he pretty unanimously was either liked or people were kind of neutral on him. Mm-hmm. And ever since, like, with the Spurs and the Raptors and just the, the Clippers – messiness yes I, I feel like public opinion has got to be pretty fucking low on quiet at this point as talented <sighs> and ph- phenomenal as he is i want to say that but i bet if we pulled the jersey sales data he's still a top 10 or something you know like it's it's weird but i i could imagine that Kawhi leonard is more popular than we think but also one of the more reviled guys yeah. in the league too he's like a nickelback what? He's still going to sell his three million <laughs> albums, but nobody knows where these three million people are. Yeah. yeah. What weird fucking kid out there is like, I want to be like Kawhi Leonard. Look at the footwork. He uses his shoulders so well to create separation. I don't know, man. Those uh, those like real emotionless kids. There, there yeah. might be some kids out there that are like, no, I admire how Kawhi Leonard doesn't give a shit yeah. about anything in life but basketball. I love that. I want to do that. It's just like, I don't know, man. He and seems kind of serial killery. Those kids are in intensive psychotherapy. They, yes. And in 16 years, they're going to return to Haddonfield to try to kill their sister. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just grateful Kawhi didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> because he is the basketball Michael Myers. <laughs> he is, man. It's a perfect comp. It really is. 
I had a good idea the other night. All right. I, I want to like get out in the air. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be drinking for a while, but this was a hell of a drunken idea from like a week <laughs> or so ago. Um, but I, uh, I was thinking here, hear me out guys. We got a crossover of movie universes here. Halloween uh-huh. and Austin Powers <laughs> so that we can have Mike Myers and Michael Myers. Right. And then, like, we have Michael Myers speak for the first time right as he's about to, like, knife Heather Graham or Mini-Me or something. And he just says, yeah, baby, in, like, a deep, raspy voice. Like, this is the like, voice box yeah. that used for Kane. <laughs> yeah, that's baby. even better, yes. Yeah. So that, that was my idea is to Austin Powers, a Halloween crossover. Once we're done with this most recent Halloween reboot, I you know they're going to bring it back again. <laughs> I won't offend anybody by doing a fucking Austin Powers impression, but you can imagine the Austin Powers. Powers, Michael Myers interactions. <laughs> so, you know, you heard it here first. Just like the awesome uh, Lakers won't make the playoffs take, you guys are welcome to uh, join me over here. I'm about to start my pitches to to Warner Brothers. No, who owns NBC Universal, I believe, owns the Halloween IP. Yeah. Not sure about the Mike, the uh, Austin Powers one. We'll have to check on that. We may the, have to do sequel. some finagling with the studios here. The sequel to Halloween Kills being Halloween. What's wrong with being sexy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Halloween Kills, baby. Mm-hmm. No God. No, that'd probably come all kind. Of, that yeah, that's gonna get all weird. Pro lifers and everything start coming after you if that's the title. <laughs> I think like a dame to kill a fucking. <laughs> A Michael to kill. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got us way off the rails. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, I. The Mavs I, tend to do that to us. The Mavs do tend to do that to <laughs> us. We lose focus when we start this Mavs segment usually. Um, Luka Doncic still looks like a damn god. Uh, I don't think that. I think that the Brunson development is a, a case for a curious little wrench being thrown in our perception of the Mavs. Like if he yeah. keeps this, this up, I think this will be an actually pretty decent team. But Kristaps is a big log jam. That's a problem. It's a big problem. Yeah. Then they have a what about Carlisle? Do the Pacers have any, like, did Carlisle and Kristaps have a really nice rapport? And maybe he would want to get the band back together, convince the front office. Like, I'm just trying to think of, because I don't, I don't remember who coached him in New York, if I'm being honest. Oh, man. Who was the coach? Of was it next? Woodson then or Fitz? Uh, I know Fizdale was there. Yeah, Fizdale. Sorry, Fitz. No, Fizdale. Um, but I, I'm trying to think of like maybe other people who like. Does anybody love Chris Tapps that could maybe get a be a bug in the air of a of a GM? But that, the thing is, Indiana already has a pretty solid front court. <laughs> Actually, you're, you know, you're fucking. They right, might they need do. to thin that out a little bit, if anything. So you're, you're right. Yeah, it's tough, man. I, That's really tough. Yeah, the fit's weird. I didn't even think about that. I was literally one track minding, mm-hmm. trying to think of who would like Chris Tapps enough to want him. I still think if they, if Zion ever returns, that the Chris Tapps Zion fit might make sense in New, or- in New Orleans. But true, soon to be Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> soon to be somewhere. Yeah, Mexico City, Pelicans, the Mexico <laughs> City Pelicans. There we go. <laughs> Man, isn't that a long ass flight for most teams to fucking like, Mexico? Like it's easy for the Spurs and the Pelicans, yeah. but no, but, I, I can't imagine that that actually ever happens. I remember reading some weird article about NBA eyeing expansion in Mexico and et cetera. I was like, that just doesn't seem like a logistical 
Maybe thing. maybe yeah. like Monterrey or something, but be, yeah, Mexico City, Jesus, that's, yeah, way down in the DF over there. That's yeah, that's nuts. Just logistically, agreed. Yeah, and from a, I mean, a, you know, yeah, there's so many things that can go wrong that that deep yeah. into the another mm-hmm. country yeah. with bunch of fucking millionaire. <laughs> Let's just focus on getting a team back in Seattle and maybe like a team in Vegas, and Amen. then you know Amen we'll go from there. Amen to that. I like that. Yeah. I'd even be fine with uh, one of these random college towns that loves basketball so much, Louisville or wherever the fuck they always talk about. Austin, oh, Texas. That, oh, God. Please, no more. <laughs> no more anything that's going to bring people onto the roads of Austin, Texas. Like, good Lord. Can we build a new road or lane on a road before we add another 100,000 people, please? I don't it's, go outside anymore. It's, it's just awful here as far as driving point A to point B or you wait in a line no matter where you're going now. And it's wild. Austin's a wild place. Dude, I was, we were going to, my wife and I were going to go get breakfast this morning and we got, we're like, we're like, let's just go somewhere simple like gems. We don't want to go to like a crazy mm-hmm. brunch spot or something. And there were like 40 people waiting outside to get into fucking gyms. Yes. And gyms is awesome. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but, but it's not geez. worth that wait. Yeah. God damn. Austin, Texas, please. It's wild. All right. We went on our Austin rant. We Week- did our weekly maps. Weekly Austin rant. Weekly Austin rant. Let's hit up some uh, rest, of the, rest of the league news and fun tidbits. Titbits. Um, titbits. Bitty tits. Itty bitty titty. Itty bitty titty committee of the rest of the league. Oh, God. Which team go. would be the itty bitty titty committee? Hmm. It had to be Denver, right? No, Brooklyn? I don't know. You got Jokic. That's yeah. that's a that's a nice pair right there. Thirty. What is it? 33-year-old James Harden? <laughs> 33-year-old James Harden. He's got pretty big titties, too. Yeah. I don't know, man. Huh. That's a good question. Maybe that could be like an all-NBA team, like the itty bitty titty committee. Yes. It'll be like Jokic and Harden. <laughs> <laughs> let's think about let's think this over i like this it's someone t- else will join by the end of the year you know someone's gonna play themselves out of shape it's too bad that stan van gundy's not coaching anymore because yeah. he would have been a great coach for that team he would be the head coach by a lot yeah god damn we keep this going is, off the road. this is great man not even drinking on this podcast and we're going way farther off the rails than normal um but my my biggest takeaway so far this season is nikola jokic is absolutely absurd best player in the nba currently and it's staggering what he's been able to do this season the first player to ever lead his team in every single statistical category advanced and counting yes just insane and i i know like the the nuggets are you know they kind of have a dearth of talent around him especially if we don't know what's going on with mpj but or really what's going on with the team? They had that whole cryptic canceling of their practice and media availability today. I haven't really read up or followed up on that. Yeah, something ain't right. Yeah. I will read Twitter later. Me too. Because it's a really great source for uh, highly filtered um, news and opinion. And <laughs> Oh, man. I love it. Love it. Yeah, Jokic, but- Jokic is crazy, man. He... He a pop after the after the Denver game described him as a seven foot Larry Bird and that I can't really think of a more apt description of him because that's really what his game is. He does everything well now, yep. and it's just insane to watch. I I can't think of a I don't know I can't think of a big man that I've ever seen that's this uh, combination. Doesn't look like he's in great shape, but is quick and bouncy and fleet of foot and, and yeah. graceful. And it's just, it's it's insane to watch him go to work, man. 
It's so much fun. I love that he's trimmed up a little bit. He just looks like he's unstoppable now. I can't imagine going from MVP to being like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to go ahead and improve everything I can possibly work on this offseason and get another one. This is Tom, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's no, there's no, we had so many other people we were talking about winning MVP in our little preseason picks, but it's Jokic all the way for the rest of the year if this keeps going on. Yeah, Jokic has by far been the best player in the NBA so far. Yep. Um, I don't really care what anyone's rankings say, just based on what I've seen him. He's he is so unstoppable. Yes, he is. Even when you do a good job on him, and he's gonna make something happen. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to fuck you over some way or another. He is this infuriating player to go against. He really is, man. Like he's gonna hit like some crazy turnaround moon ball that goes halfway to the top of the stadium and just hits nothing but the bottom. He's going to make some crazy pass that no one would have ever predicted happening or just, uh, yeah, Nikola Jokic, man. Yep. He's, he's the dude. Pirouette 1,400 times in the post, <laughs> and then you're screaming, he travels, he traveled, he traveled. And then you watch the replay, and his pivot foot is just fucking planted the whole time. I was like, man, I was so wrong. You did not travel at all. <laughs> Yeah, he's absurd, man. I enjoy. I'm enjoying watching him play, except for that block on Jay Sean Tate. That was unfortunate. You shouldn't have done that, Nicola. Yeah, he was like if you took um, Spurs Boris Dio and you injected him with like Captain America serum. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, other other things. Uh, I think that we should pull the pin. Roll a nice little grenade into the locker room of the Boston Celtics and uh, start making some trades. Fire sale that shit, man. It's over. What is going on? So last season, uh, they made wholesale wholesale changes to the the coaching staff in the front office. Kind of. I mean, Um, they they promoted Stevens, Brad Stevens was quote unquote promoted. Yes. I mean, he had lost the locker room and they didn't want it. Clearly, they didn't want Stevens going somewhere else. Yes. So they, they put him in the GM role. Uh, it doesn't seem like Ime Yudoka has um, found the right touch with this roster. Uh, yeah, uh, but it might not be the right roster to find a touch with. It just know? doesn't seem like they like each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smart is making comments about how he should be the point guard and guys aren't passing enough. And I just... They're going to have to make some sort of move because the synergy is just off with this roster. And obviously you don't touch Jason Tatum. Yes. That was my next question. Yeah. Is, is it a... Is it that drastic? Like, do you just say fuck it and get a chest full of assets and completely hit reset? And is Tatum, is Tatum, I think Tatum's probably a foundational piece enough to not touch and, and leave around. But if he's part of the problem as far as fracturing this locker room and stuff that we don't know or we're not privy to, I just don't think like, you can trade him. He's I like, I don't either. He's one of the, I don't know, 12, 15 best players in the NBA. Some people have him higher than that. Only getting better. And I think with his contract situation and where he is on his developmental curve, I don't think you can hit the reset button in the franchise, but maybe it's time to look at moving Brown and Smart and some other guys. I thought Horford's had a pretty good season. Yeah, he has. But I just I don't see another avenue to fix fixing this team because like they're they're already at the point of having like the uh, the players only meetings where Apparently that's not really bearing any fruit, so it never does. You've got to you've got to change. Flash. If you're at the point where you're having players only meetings, it's 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 like having stage four cancer on your fucking team. It's you know yes, it's done. There's not much you can do. Yeah, it's you gonna know. take a miracle from here on out. Yeah, 
Every now and then you have that exact right leader on your team where a player's only meeting will wind up with someone saying the right thing that strikes yeah. a chord, but almost never. It's usually a sign of absolute discontent. <laughs> it's usually just a, a, a fucking platform for guys to call each other out. Yep, which only makes yeah. it worse. Yeah. So uh, blow Boy. it up, blow it up, Boston. I kind of like Boston as a Ben Simmons destination. Hmm. I think he kind of he kind of makes sense. Like I, I like the fit of him with Tatum. Uh, he works well with Horford. We already know. I mean, yes. Uh. I don't. I wouldn't give up Brown for Simmons, but no, I wouldn't either. Maybe there's like a three-team trade that they can make happen. Yeah, that could work. Maury and Ainge certainly have a rapport. Danny um, Ainge is gone. Oh yeah, you're right. Ainge yeah. is fucking gone. You're right. It's Stevens now. Yeah, Ainge Nobody is up in somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Stevens has no rapport with anybody. Nope. Not except even Gordon, his own team. Except Gordon Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Gordon um, understands me. Gordon understands me. Gordon will understand. Um, also, you know, Rockets fans, let's see if maybe we dumb luck unintentionally sold high on James Harden. It kind of seems like it. I mean, he's know he's getting triple doubles and they're winning, but uh, I've been I've been trying to gently broach the subject of James Harden with you because I know. I know how you feel about James Harden. It's my guy. That's my guy. I love James. I'll always have James's back. But now that he's not a rocket, I feel as though I can be a lot more honest about James and not yeah. be so defensive. You know, so he Man, looks that, washed, dude. That clip of him getting put in jail by Sadiq Bey and then just not even trying to get the ball back when he could have. Yep. It was, it was embarrassing. It really is. Yeah, He has a few of those on his record, man. James Harden's had some embarrassing moments in his career for like, okay, look, he's phenomenal. Maybe the third best shooting guard ever, um, depending on how you feel about Kobe. I actually kind of like Harden better than Kobe. I think Harden, Harden's ability as a distributor goes overlooked when people have discussions about him with the great, great yeah. scorers and, and great players, I think. So, yeah. yeah, I would probably say I think Harden and as a distributor would put him over that for me. Yeah, and I, I can't go there with the Dwayne Wade-Harden argument anymore. Yeah. I love I loved D. Wade, but I just Harden just has a resume that dwarfs Dwayne Wade's at this point. So <sighs> It's tough. Other than the, championships, Other than the playoffs. But, yeah, I was going to yeah. say playoffs. But it's just it's looks it looks weird and worrisome up there in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. The Mills fit has been strangely awkward. Um, I didn't expect that in a million years. Everything has just been weird with Brooklyn. Yes, uh, Blake Griffin travels a lot. Oh my god! Speaking of washed, he looks washed, washed. Wow. Yes, yeah. he looks like, horrendous. Like last year, he looked like okay. Well, he's going into the productive role player phase of his career. The and, Renaissance moment. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting the vibes of. But it's man. Like, like Grant Hill becoming a, a good role player after yes. everything, and it just no. And I don't know if James if the James Harden thing is mental, if he's just badly out of shape. He if, looks horrendously doughy and out of shape to me. If the um, the rule changes are affecting him that much, I don't know that the rule changes are as much. Uh, maybe they're in his head. Uh, yeah. He did seem very <laughs> grumpy about them the other night at the presser and stuff. But to me, he looks like he's trying to do the same stuff he's always done, but he hasn't worked on maintaining this the quickness so he looks like a guy who's slower and easier to pick now as he's dribbling the air out of the ball he's doing it like a fat guy instead of like a quick 
quick-handed young dude like he was. And well, I always the, thought the brilliance of James Harden. Sorry to cut you off. I'm no, so not sorry. at all. You, dude. You're, but is he was the and this is not this is a compliment. He was the greatest con man in the history of the NBA in terms of the way he could manipulate the refs. Yeah. And he can't do that anymore. And you've seen it with a few guys where, like, just their their overall offensive performances have gone down because they counted on those bullshit calls for, like, six yeah. to ten points a game. Yep. Dame Lillard is looking yeah. a little rough. Trey Young, obviously, he's figuring it out. Yeah. But, yeah, no, you're right. It is definitely impacting him. I think Harden is that guy who uh, he's he's a bit of a gamer in that sense. Like, he, he uh, will probably make the adjustment. Um, eventually eventually or he'll find a new sneaky gag he can get over on the refs with yeah um he'll invent a new way to travel or something yeah invent a new way to to make (laughs) you hit him yeah exactly um but uh he's he's he's, gonna learn telekinesis or something yeah who knows man (laughs) but i i will say he looks very out of sorts right now um and i personally would like to say hey rockets fans remember how we were consistently and universally shat upon by the world for taking all of Brooklyn's first round picks for the next like 30 years. Well, they're looking a little bit better now, I would say, even if Harden signs that extension. Yep. I mean, it could be this James Harden for the rest of the five years, and that's not very helpful. It's good, yeah. but it's not $44 million a year, and it's not what you paired, what you signed James Harden to be at all. It feels like James Harden doesn't have the psychological edge over the other team that he used to. Because just from my perspective, as a guy who's never rooted for a James Harden team, going against James Harden, you could see all of the guys who were defending him are on edge because you know he's going to get you in a bind and draw a foul. Yep. And it feels like that psychological edge where he could just, you know, toy with his defender isn't quite there anymore also true yeah he can't a lot of his his little sweep throughs and shit and and barreling at the hoop to try to get a call is not gonna yield bear fruit even when a lot of times he he doesn't not have a point when he's talking about being the poster boy for these rules like he doesn't he's not gonna get any calls period he will not get a call whether he deserves it or not and defenders are gonna figure that out very quickly and they're gonna abuse him this season um, just like the Golden State Warriors did with the three-point shot with yep. uh, Scott Foster in the playoffs. is mm-hmm. like, well, okay, then we're allowed to foul him. Let's foul him every three-pointer. Yep. Um, so that'll happen, and, and he's not going to – but it, it's really hard to feel sorry for a guy who's complaining about the legitimate calls when he's been crying wolf for the entire fucking time with yep. illegitimate ones too. You know? Maybe it's time but, for him to put that doughy facade to work and, uh, like, I don't know, learn a new hold. Start posting up a little bit, something like that. Yeah. No, you're right, man. Start doing something off of the ball, maybe. I don't know. Like, do, <laughs> yeah. yeah, anything. It turns out you can't what, just hit the switch. Yep. What you're doing and what you've been doing in Houston is not going to age well if you're not going to be getting cheap foul calls as well. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got to, he's got to figure it out and you know, I, it sucks to say because he, like I said, he's my dude. He's my favorite basketball player, but I hope he doesn't <laughs> because yeah, I want yeah. those picks, man. The Rockets are my team, and I'm going to be a Houston fan forever. And Harden's not a Houston Rocket anymore. Harden is the guy who netted us a bunch of first-round picks. Yeah. And Hopefully he doesn't figure it out, and then when his contract is up and the Rockets have cap space, he comes home. <laughs> that, <laughs> see, that's a, that would be awesome. That's been a fun conspiracy theory <clears throat> in my mind for a while is that he pulled a LeBron. But I think what would – 
unlock that being a possibility would be winning with Brooklyn. And at this point, I don't see that as a possibility this season. Like, no. it's too early, obviously. Yeah. And they're a team that is going to flip the switch because that it's great players. And they're already talking about changing the fucking laws in New York City. <laughs> the the mayor made a comment about changing. Granted, he was talking about city workers and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's still the fact that that's on anybody's radar that Kyrie Irving could potentially buy his way back into the fucking arena by changing a law is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and that might happen, but who knows if it'd be good. I mean, Kyrie might come back and it'll be a hornet's nest and everybody's pissed off at him. And that would be fun to watch too for all of us but it feels like another chemistry disaster it does it yeah. feels like brooklyn doing the they they were a lot smarter about it this time but they still ended up with the similar result to the kg paul pierce yeah. fiasco of yeah. of yeah you try to buy a championship team and trade for these these superstar players it, it doesn't necessarily work out unless you have the right foundation in place yeah. And Golden State was able to do it because they drafted three of those guys. They drafted three of those guys, and then they added a guy who was a perfect fit. Exactly. Who was a perfect fit anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's quite I mean, literally a perfect Katie, fit anywhere. But yeah, yeah I, I think um, we might be getting to a point where maybe like selling everything to have your big three isn't necessarily the best strategy because what's the track record for it now? I mean... Not even Miami did that well. Miami, they went to the finals four times. They came they away with two, right? two. Which and is great, honestly. Even then, it was a little dicey. I mean, that's mm. great, but you had LeBron James in his prime. And, and Dwayne Wade at the end of his prime. Not out of his prime yet, by any means. Yeah. And I just like rooting for a team like that. It can't be that satisfying because you're like, okay, well, we didn't draft any of these guys. They just chose to come here because it's Brooklyn convenient. or convenient yep. or whatever. And how do you really have an emotional connection to that kind of team? I don't feel like Brooklyn has any fans that do have an emotional connection to the team anymore. I think selling on Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and all these guys is uh, that drove away the people who give a shit about Brooklyn. Yep. And now it's a bunch of, yeah, guys who want to go see three famous basketball players play and don't really give a shit about the team. Yeah, you took a team that had great chemistry like the same thing happened with boston like they mm. they sold that team to get Kyrie and hayward and look at where they're at now yep and then the same thing's happening with brooklyn so i don't know i just i'm I, maybe i'm an idiot but i still believe in things like team chemistry and addition by subtraction and things like that so i do too i'm um, not as bullishly as you probably i'm probably still more on the you need to pair star players together. That is step one. We will worry about the other step later. But it's uh, it's uh, yeah. that. But you need to worry about those other steps eventually. Yeah, like star, star <laughs> players are the most important thing to have. Don't get me wrong. Yes, but just more blindly, than one usually. Blindly pairing those guys together and not considering like, like what look what LA did. Yeah, that's the most extreme example. Yes, and this is the second time they've done that in the last decade. Yep, where they've just thrown guys together and they're like, okay, well they're good. Well Westbrook's not good. We've known Westbrook's not good anymore. It's a difficult f sentence for me to say that Westbrook's not good. I don't find it to be true. Um, but it, it's like Westbrook is not a good fit on any team. Is fair. Well, when you don't fit on any team and then you lose your team games, I mean, <sighs> it's hard to make that argument that you're a good player. I don't see anything about Russ that says this guy isn't skilled at basketball, though. He's just a really poor decision maker, I guess. I'm, not, then, I'm not saying he's yeah, not skilled like, or not a Hall of Famer. I'm saying at this point in his career. He's net negative to a team. Yeah, yeah that's something. Yeah, I, I can ride with that. It reminds me of a lot, a lot of um, 
like Carmelo Anthony towards the end of his run with New York were like he was still putting up numbers, but you just knew mm-hmm. like he's not a guy that's gonna win you anything. And that's where I think I'm at with Westbrook. We're like like an old Allen Iverson. Yeah. It's the same thing where like the guy's not gonna let go of the rope. No. Yeah. No, he he won't. He's never gonna realize what he needs to yeah. to adjust he, because he, will, he doesn't think you're right about yeah. him needing to adjust. He will take the ship down with him before yes. he admits that there's something wrong. Exactly, yeah. and then he'll usually point and and say, "Look, we, there were cracks in the hole when we left. I saw him. I yeah. mean, the ship was broken. It wasn't me that broke it down. Yeah, he's he's kind of that guy, in not in in such a shitty way. Like he's not that much of a a. a cantankerous ass obviously but he is definitely so confident in himself that it becomes a problem as far as seeing uh, issues i agree with that yep. yeah but i don't know you don't want to wrap it on up after this what do we want to anything else we want to touch on touch on you um, yeah Just, yeah everybody yeah pop your shirts off get pop. comfortable get we should have said that at the beginning of the pod probably Get comfortable now, though, yeah, and rewind it. Now. Rewind Give us it. another listen. Yes. Maybe jog the algorithm for us. Yes. Uh, like, retweet, subscribe. Bye.